0: Exodus chapter 17, I wanted to speak this morning on a subject that I thought would be good, uh, Memorial Day subject. You know, I, I think Memorial Day is a wonderful holiday. I think it's good to remember those who've made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. Those who, I mean, so many people who have, you know, volunteered to go and fight in our military to protect our country. And so many of them have laid down their lives so we can have freedom and I tell you, we need to take this very serious. Uh, we need to think about the things that they've done. We need to think about why we're able to celebrate the freedom we, that we have, and we ought to appreciate those. And I heard a lot of stories this week that were very disturbing about people who went and desecrated, uh, different memorials for, like the Vietnam Memorial and a few other ones. And it's ridiculous. We, our country is just getting overrun with people that, just don 't care about the sacrifices that people have made, and that not and not only do they just not care but they 're just flat out disrespectful to it and I do I think it's a shame, and I really think one of the reasons we have the problem that we're ha- the problems we're having in our country and even in churches today it 's not because we 're not remembering those who've sacrificed for us, but I think tonight or this morning, I want us to remember not just those who have fought for us those who've sacrificed, but I want us to remember our enemies this morning. I think it's important that we remember who our enemies are. We need to remember who it was that people that the people that we celebrate, who they, you know, that fought and died for us, who and what they were fighting against. I think it is very appropriate that we remember those things because there was something that killed them. There was someone that killed them many times. They were fighting against great evils. And for us as a country, now we embrace everything in this country, it seems like. And the more wicked it is, the more they're anxious to embrace it. And many of the things that we're embracing in our country today are things that our soldiers have fought and died for. And not even just our U.S. military, but there are things that we're embracing in churches today that our forefathers in the faith fought and died for. And I think that's a shame. And I think it's a terrible way to remember and respect those who have given their lives. Now, I want us to look at something in the Bible. Just uh, We're going to look at an interesting history of a group of people in here that was an enemy to Israel. Look at Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. And it says, "...then came Amalek and fought against Israel and Rephidim." And this is right after the time when they uh, were, had gotten the water out of the rock. And they were kind of at a low point right now. And it says, "...And Moses said unto Joshua, "'Choose us out, men.'" And go out, fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill, and with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat there on, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out of the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi, for he said because the lord has sworn that the lord will have uh, the lord will have war with amalek from generation to generation now an interesting thing you know israel had a lot of enemies that we read about in the books of exodus leviticus deuteronomy and stuff but this group here amalek in this story the bible doesn't give a whole lot of the details of what happened during this war but we see some more details later but after we're introduced to amalek and we see this battle that's fought that God does something with Amalek He didn't do with every group that they fought against. He cursed this group. And He said they will eventually be utterly destroyed. I want you to write down what happened in this war. I want you to write it in a book. And He said, I want you to rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Because I'm going to utterly destroy them from generation to generation. We will have war with Amalek. What they had done was so wicked, God said, we're not going to get over it. I don't want Israel getting over it. I want you to remember what they did because eventually I'm going to utterly destroy them. And then go to Deuteronomy chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21. We'll see a little bit more about Amalek here. What the Bible says, and it says, or not Deuteronomy 21. I'm sorry. Uh, go to First Samuel chapter uh, or Deuteronomy 25. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17. And look at what God says here. He says, "Remember." what Amalek did unto thee, by the way, when ye were come forth out of Egypt. Okay, So remember, the Bible when it talks about that battle, it didn't give us a lot of details before. We see that story, it's pretty well known how Moses, when he held up his hands, Israel prevailed, but he'd get tired and his hands would go down and then Amalek would prevail. And then it's a great story how Aaron and Hur came along and they helped Moses out. But it didn't give the details of what all went down. But look what it says here. God's reminding them of what Amalek did to them when they fought against him. And it says, "...how he met thee by the way, and he smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary, and he feared not God. Therefore it shall be, when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all thine enemies round about, in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, thou shalt not forget it. You all see that? When they fought him, they went and they were fighting dirty, the Bible says. They didn't go to the front lines where the strongest soldiers were. They went to the rear part where all those who were weak and feeble, and they went after those people. I mean, they are fighting dirty, and this, this upset God greatly. You know, there were sometimes they had enemies that were looked at as brave men and mighty men of valor. They were on the wrong side, but you know they fought like men. Amalek fought like a bunch of cowards. They kind of fought like a lot of our enemies do today. You know, using women and children, targeting innocent people, not fighting the soldiers. They go and fighting at fighting the civilians, trying to do as much damage as they can. Kind of reminds me of our enemies today. And God said, "Don't forget about this." You need to remember what they did. Don't forget what Amalek did because I'm going to utterly destroy them. And then let's fast forward several years in 1 Samuel chapter 15. We're hundreds of years later now. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And we're going to see what ended up happening with Amalek. Chapter 15, verse 1. Samuel also said unto Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over His people over Israel. Now therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for them in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and ass. You all see that it wasn't until hundreds of years later, until King Saul. But God did not forget what Amalek had done to Israel, and Amalek ended up paying for what they had done. You see, and when we look at that, we need to we need to remember that you know there is there is a constant fight against us as Christians. There's a constant fight against America. As a nation, there's a constant fight that's against freedom. And I'm afraid today that many Americans, many Christian people, are just tired of fighting. And while the Bible teaches us as individuals we are supposed to give, we need to remember that when it comes to forgiveness, we forgive those who trespass against us. All right. A lot of times people do. They like to throw out the whole forgiveness thing. But listen, let's just say... That, alright, oh, you, Brother Menes, somebody kills your wife. Okay? Now, they're supposed to pay for that crime, aren't they? And I have no right to go and say, you know what? I forgive that person for what they did. Therefore, nothing should happen to them. Is that right? Is that what God wants? No, we see in the Bible where it was God that instituted the death penalty in Genesis chapter 9 verse 6, God said, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. We see that God cares very much about wickedness being dealt with. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 21. Because you see, we cannot be blessed as a nation when we're not dealing with the wrongs. That are done to us as a nation. Listen, if you come do something to me, if you spit my face, if you insult me, if you punch me in the nose, okay, I can forgive you for that. I don't have to call the police. I don't have to press charges. But listen, when something is done to an innocent, okay, as a a society, as a people, as a nation, we are supposed to deal with those things. We don't get to just look away, okay? Look what it says in Deuteronomy 21 verses 1. If one be found slain in the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it, lying in the field, and it be not known who has slain him, then thy elders and thy judges shall come forth, and they shall measure unto the cities which are round about him that is slain. And it shall be that the city which is next unto the slain man, even the elders of that city, shall take an heifer which hath not been wrought with, and which hath not drawn in the yoke, and the elders of that city shall bring down the heifer unto a rough valley which is neither eared nor sown, and shall strike off the heifer's neck there in the valley, and the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come near, "...for them the Lord thy God hath chosen to minister unto him, and to bless in the name of the Lord, and by their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. And all the elders of that city that are next unto the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer that is beheaded in the valley, and they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, neither have our eyes seen it. Be merciful, O Lord, unto thy people Israel, whom thou hast redeemed, and lay not innocent blood unto the people of Israel's charge, and the blood shall be forgiven them. So shalt thou put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you, when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Y'all, I don't know if y'all caught everything in there, but it was very clear that when somebody killed somebody, they were to be put to death. Okay, for Israel be blessed that. Had to be paid for. But what if we don't know who killed a person? What if we find a body somewhere and we can tell they've been murdered and there's no witnesses, nobody saw what happened? What do we do? And God told him very clearly you find out what city. He's closest to where the body was found and that city, they're going to take charge. They're going to take one of their heifers. They're going to sacrifice it there. The priests are going to wash their hands over that blood and they're going to do that basically just saying, Lord, we don't know who did this. Lord, please forgive us. Do not allow innocent blood to corrupt our land. Lord, we don't want to have to pay for the shedding of this innocent blood that is taken care of. Lord, we don't know who did it. And that was what... And God would forgive them in that case where they had no idea who did it. You say, what's a big deal? Well, it was a big deal because when some a wrong is done to somebody, it needs to be dealt with as a nation. We have got to remember that and we need to remember some of the things that have been done to us as a nation. Some of the things that have been do- done to us as Christians, we cannot forget these things. Now, I want, I want you all to make sure you don't take this the wrong way that we understand this right what I'm talking about today is I'm talking about systems, ideas I'm not talking so much about individuals because I'm going to name some groups today and you might know people that are in these groups I'm not talking about individuals okay I don't I don't hate think we ought to be hating any individuals but let me tell you there are some Groups. There are some systems. There are some philosophies and ideas that I believe that we ought to hate. When we look at, when we look back in our history, we can see a lot of different enemies that we've had that were clearly evil, evil enemies. You think about the Nazis, okay? I think it's okay to hate Nazism. All right, but you know what my wife showed me a picture the other day that she she saw online of a young Nazi soldier in a foxhole, I mean just bawling like a baby and in the picture it looks like he's wet his pants and i i, I mean it's, it' it was really a sad picture, and I got to think about when I was looking at that you know a lot of those soldiers were probably fairly decent guys, okay, but they were just doing the things they were told to do by some very wicked people, by a very wicked philosophy, by a very wicked system and I you know and what when I saw that picture, even though the guy had a swastika on his arm, I felt sorry for him. you know I, I kind of had some compassion for him but let me tell you something it only made me hate Nazism even more because they took their soldiers to go fight places they shouldn't have been fighting. These guys, many times, were just following orders that they didn't want to follow. These were husbands, you know, sons, brothers that had to go and die terrible deaths for a crazy man. And you know, many of our enemies that we've had are like that. Many of our enemies today, you know, as individuals, they don't really know better. And, you know, if for example, in Islam, okay, the, the, we're fighting a war against radical Islam today. That is, and it's absolutely wicked, the things they're doing, the things that they are teaching. But you know, I think it is completely appropriate to hate that philosophy. But you know, when I see a Muslim person, I don't automatically hate that person. I think we, can, I think we ought to love that person. I think we ought to try to give that person the Gospel. But let me tell you something. If they start pushing that philosophy, if they start pushing the hatred... We need to fight against that. Do you realize our soldiers today are dying fighting against that type of philosophy? And I don't think we have to just stand there and let people come and promote that idea. Because you know what? That is a wicked idea. I hate that idea. I hate that philosophy. And I think we ought to stand against it because that philosophy is what's inspired the murder of millions of people. And we are allowed to hate that. We should hate that. We need to remember what that type of thinking has done. We need to think about the damage that has been caused by that. Think about those who've died for it and not embrace it. Not accept it. You know, I'm not going to go and join up in one of these ecumenical things where we get together with a bunch of false religions and false ideas and all hold hands and sing kumbaya. It's not going to happen. Too many people have fought and died fighting against that philosophy. And why would I advance it? Why would I promote that? I want to remember those who sacrificed. And one of the ways I can remember is remembering the enemies that they fought against that killed them. I'm not going to forget those things and I don't think we ought to. And we need to remember that our grudges, they're not with people, but they're with systems. They're with ideas that are evil. And one... And just a few groups I want to mention today. Remember, I'm talking about systems. I'm talking about ideas. I'm not talking about individuals. If you know an individual that falls in this category, I don't hate that person. You should not hate that person. But you ought to hate that system, that idea they're involved in. And you know, I hate I hate big government. I, I do. I hate big government. You know why? Because I've, I've you know, read about the Revolutionary War and what they fight, fought against. I've read the Declaration of Independence. I, I, I'm not gonna, I, I've got some of it here in front of me. I, 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 don't wanna, I probably should take time to read it, but I've got so much stuff I want to cover. But I can't help but read the Declaration of Independence and just get furious. When I see the things that these guys were fighting against, the things they gave their lives and their honor and their sacred fortune for, and to see that those things are going on in our country today, you know, it just boils my blood. When I read about Valley Forge and the things those men went through to fight against big government, and we see that type of stuff going on in our country today, people embracing it, you know, I'm not going to forget that enemy. I'm not going to forget about what England did. Are you saying you hate all people from England? No, I don't hate all people from England, but I hate that big government philosophy. I hate the idea of a king in another country trying to tell us what to do, just like I hate the idea of a few people in Washington telling every state what they ought to do and every county and local government what they ought to do. I hate that. That's wicked. We've had thousands and thousands of people that have fought and died fighting against that big government enemy, and yet we're, people are just embracing that today. I'm sorry, I hate it. I hate it. It makes me sick. We need to remember why we separated from England. And listen, I don't believe we ought to go. It's like, you know what? Let's remember what England did and let's go kill some English people, alright? I don't. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. We don't need to do that today, but we need to reject their type of government. We need to reject the morality over there. We need to reject the godlessness that's going on over there. I just get furious when our politicians start trying to promote you know, uh, you know, a new bill that they're trying to pass and then they'll start saying this is what they're doing over in England. This is what they're doing in all the European countries. This I don't care. If I liked what they were doing over there, I would move over there. But I don't. We fought against that. And so don't use them as an example. Unless you're using them as an example to say this is why we're not going to do that. Hey, this is what they're doing in Europe. Europe's going down the toilet fast. Let's not do that. That's the way we ought to think. That's the way our ideas ought to be. And I hope I don't make anybody mad here, but I'm just going to tell you right now, All right, don't get mad at me. Remember, I don't hate individuals. But I, I hate the Republican and Democrat Party. I do. They make me sick. Oh, are you, are you saying they're all bad? No, listen. There are some good people... Good, well-meaning people that go into there hoping they're going to do some good and accomplish some things, but then they get corrupted by those that wicked, wicked system on both sides. I'm telling you, it it makes me sick. We need to remember some of the things that they've done to this country. You know, we were talking about this yesterday. I don't understand why about ninety some percent of black people always vote Democrat. Do you realize it was the Democrats that tried to keep them in slavery? It was the Democrats. That tried, that fought against them integrating into society. It's always been the Democrats that have fought against them. It was the Democrats that ended up promoting the whole, you know, instituting the whole welfare system that has destroyed them. If you go into the cities where it is most difficult for black people, it's places like Detroit and Chicago that are completely run by Democrats. And they, for some reason, they keep voting for them. Hey, why don't you look back at your history and remember what those people have done to you, what that system has done to you, and say, you know what? Enough's enough. And you know what? It doesn't stop with the Democrats, the Republicans too. The Republicans, I'm telling you, it's it's you know, we need to remember they've done absolutely nothing to help. They've con- compromised with Democrats, they've done nothing but expand the power of government, they've expanded spending. I mean they and then they pander to us. And every election year, talking like they're so pro-Christian, pro-freedom, pro-gun, pro-everything that we're for, and then we elect them into office because the guy says "God bless America" and he's acts patriotic and wears a lapel, you know, American flag on his lapel and stuff, and and then they don't do anything except compromise, and we just go on, and Christians keep voting for them. Well, who else do we have to vote for? Hey, there's there's other people out there. There, you know, I'm, I'm praying in this election that maybe we'll see a third party arise and not, not some of the third parties they're talking about. But I mean, you look at who our selection is going to be for the President this year. We ought to be embarrassed. I mean, we ought to be disgusted that these two systems, these two parties, look at what they have produced. Look at those two choices. And you know what? We ought to throw up. And we ought, to, we ought to remember the things they've done. We, ought, we need to remember what this system has caused and say, you know what? I don't want any part of it. I want nothing to do with it. Yes, good people enter into those parties thinking that's what they have to do. They are well-meaning. They have big ideas. They want to help. But they get corrupted every time. And it makes me sick. And I, I don't want to forget those types of things. I, don't want to, I want to remember when John McCain was running for president, I remembered some of the things that he stood for and some of the things that he had said. I'm not going to forget that. We need, we, should, we need to remember these things. We need to remember the way these people vote. We ought to pay attention to their voting record. We ought to pay attention to the people that they associate themselves with and that they link arms with. And it, when they do, when they compromise, it ought to destroy them politically. They shouldn't get another vote. And I would, I would love it if anybody with a Republican or Democrat in their name didn't get a single vote, well, oh, that's never going to happen. And I know it's not going to happen because our country's—I don't want to say stupid, but I'm thinking it. But, but I didn't say it. <laughs> okay. I didn't say it, so you can't get mad at me. But we do, We need to remember these things. We need to. Okay, we're also in a time when we're being told, you know, all the religions—they all need to come together. We all need to come together. We all just need to get along. And listen, if, you're, if you know people that are parts of these religions, I, I don't hate these people. I don't hate people from other religions. I absolutely do not. There are many good, well-meaning, sincere people that sometimes they just don't know any better. Maybe they've never really been taught. They've not studied the Bible. They're, they're deceived. I don't hate anybody that's a part of another religion. But let me tell you, I do hate certain religious systems. I absolutely hate it. There are, there are many religions out there that have a history of killing true believers. You know, just in the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church killed over fifty million people. Just, just, just in the Middle Ages. Fifty million people. We're just supposed to forget that? Now, I'm not saying we go and take vengeance on all Catholics. You know, let's go storm the Catholic Church today and let's, let's teach them, let's make them pay for all those people they killed. No, that's not how we do it. But let me tell you, that philosophy, that teaching. It ought to have no part in this church. We're not going to do any Hail Marys here just to make them feel good. We're not going to do that. We're not, to, we're not going to go along with infant baptism. You know how many Baptists have been killed because they've stood against infant baptism? Because they've rebaptized people that got saved out of that? And we're just supposed to forget that. We're just supposed to all get along. Now, I'm not going to forget that. I'm going to remember those who sacrificed, those who died. You know, thank, thank the Lord I've not had to see anyone executed for anything like that. I don't know anybody personally, but let me tell you, I've read the history, and if it was me, if it was me that was being tortured, if it was me that was being killed, if it was my children that were being killed by that type of system, I would hate to think that maybe years later that others who claim to believe the way I do Would be linking arms with groups like that, you know. Would be joining up with the Pope in his attempt to unite the religions. I think we need to reject that. We need to reject that kind of that type of system. We need to hate that. You know, the the Catholic Church, for example, they killed many people just to keep us from having an English Bible. This King James Bible we have—you have no idea how many people died trying to get the Bible translated into English. It was fought against... and I mean, they did everything they could to fight against it. They killed many people. Many people thrown in prison. You read the stories about men like William Tyndale. I mean, and the sacrifices that he went through just so we could have the Bible in English so people could go to church and they could hear the Bible in English instead of Latin that they didn't understand. And I'm telling you... and this King James Bible is what brought us out of the Dark Ages. Because all of a sudden, people who were sincere, who were well-meaning people in the Catholic Church, they wanted to do right, but they didn't know because they weren't able to read the Bible. And then all of a sudden, they got their hands on the Bible. They were able to read it and see what it said. And let me tell you, it sparked a revival. And it, as a result of it, we had the birth of this nation and we can't forget about that, folks. We need to, we need to reject that. We need to reject those who are still today trying to corrupt the Word of God, who are trying to make changes in the Word of God. We need to reject that, trying to keep us ignorant to the things of God. Hey, systems and religions have been doing that for centuries, and you know what? We need to reject that type of thing. We're gonna, we're gonna keep that out of this church. Somebody comes in here and they start telling us you know, He starts preaching and trying to correct the Bible and telling you about all the mistakes in the Bible. Man, we ought to throw him out the window. Never let never let him come back again. Well, that that's mean. I'm sorry. I, that philosophy, that teaching has no place. We won't throw him out the window. But I tell you what, we're going to make him think he's going to. We're going to if he doesn't get out real fast, and because we do. We hate that. We remember those. Who gave their lives so we could have a Bible in our language? And that they did what they did to make sure that it was done right. I mean, and we need to, I mean, and even, you know, we like to pick on the Catholics, but let me tell you, they're not the only ones that have ever killed people for their faith. You know, Martin Luther, he's looked at as this, you know, saintly figure, the leader of the Reformation that we're all supposed to look up to and respect. You know, Martin Luther, he advocated the replacement of the Catholic Church. Or their religious persecution. He taught that type of thing. He used oppression and religious persecution. He demanded strict obedience to temporal authorities. He preached that heretics, otherwise known as Christians, who held beliefs different from his own, be executed. He was also consumed by hatred for the Jews, as many of the quotes here below we're going to read make clear. He set in motion an economic and political revolution in Renaissance Germany, By breaking with Rome, German states were able to seize vast wealth of church assets in Germany. The huge profits this produced inspired Henry VIII to adopt similar tactics with similar similar lucrative results for the English state. The structure of the church in Germany shifted to control of the German states in place of the church. This would have major implications in Nazi Germany since it meant that Lutheran pastors got their paycheck from the state. Can you imagine if... We did that today in America. If preachers got paid from the state or the government, boy, do you think they might try to limit what we can preach? I mean, you know they would. You know. I mean, it would be horrible. And that's exactly what happened. And you wonder, like, how did Nazism get into Germany? You know why? Because preachers aren't preaching against that type of stuff. Preachers aren't preaching against the government that's paying them. And they... People just went along with it. They promoted it like it was a wonderful thing. Martin Luther, he preached a hatred for the Jews, thought we ought to kill the Jews. That type of teaching went on in Germany. And what did they finally end up doing? You know, it, was years, it was years and years later. But that's exactly what they tried to do during, you know, during World War II. Look at what Martin Luther said about Baptists. The seditious articles of doctrine should be punished by the sword needed no further proof. For the rest, the Anabaptists, that was the name we used to be called which meant re-baptizers because if they got saved out of those false religions, we'd baptize them again because the first, the one they had over there didn't count. So the Anabaptists hold tenets relating to infant baptism, original sin, and inspiration which have no connection with the Word of God and are indeed opposed to it. Secular authorities are also bound to restrain and punish avowedly false doctrine. For think what disaster would ensue if children were not baptized. Nothing would happen if children weren't baptized. You don't get baptized until after you get saved. But anyway, besides this, the Anabaptists separate themselves from the churches. We don't join up. The Baptists, even back then, they didn't go holding hands and singing kumbaya with all the false religions. They set up a ministry and a congregation of their own which is also contrary to the command of God. Which command of God is that? The Baptists believe churches ought to be independent. Back even back then. From all this, it becomes clear that the secular authorities are bound to inflict corporal punishment on the offenders. Also, when it is the case of only upholding some spiritual tenets such as infant baptism, original sin, and unnecessary separation, then we conclude that the stubborn sectaries must be put to death. All right, Martin Luther. Martin Luther, this hero that Baptists talk about, that's what he thought about Baptist. And not only did he think that, he carried it out. He did it. And we're just supposed to be all for that. Uh-uh, sorry. Not for it. Have I gone out and I beat up any Lutherans lately because of what they did to my forefathers? Absolutely not. But I'm gonna tell you right now, we're not gonna allow that type of thinking in our church. We are not gonna allow the teaching of infant baptism. Just I mean it's amazing how many people died just because of that. And I can go on and on with history of just some of the persecution that happened. But Baptists suffered persecution from Protestants even in early America. And that is why it was Baptists that fought for the separation of church and state and for religious liberty. It was Baptists that fought that. The whole separation of church and state came from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist Association because they wanted some assurances. They weren't going to go on board with this new government unless there was freedom of religion and separation of church and state. Because In 1774, in Northampton, Massachusetts, 18 Baptists were sitting in jail. Their crime? Refusing to pay taxes for the support of the town's congregational minister. Using tax dollars to pay the preacher of a congregational church. The Baptists said, no, we're not going to do that. And they went to jail for it good for them. You know, the first Virginia Baptists thrown in jail in uh, Spotsylvania in 1768 for refusing to stop preaching, they were sided with disturbing the peace. And then, imprisonment of Baptists continued until at least 1778 for periods of up to five months. And Baptists accused of child abuse. They were accused of child abuse. You know why? Because they didn't baptize their children as infants. You know, and so, as a result of that, they weren't recognizing Baptist marriages. I mean, it's... Amazing the type of thing that some of these other religions have done to Baptists, and we're just supposed to accept that. We're supposed to all link arms. Not going to happen. So, I made it clear we've got enemies. What are we going to do about them? Well, Romans chapter 16, verse 17. It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Okay, when it says mark them too, it's not talking about marking them up. We don't get to, you know, give them a slash with a knife or something like that. It's, no, we're supposed to point out who they are. If somebody comes in here and they're preaching a false doctrine, they're promoting these things, that systems, ideas that have been an enemy to truth, we ought to mark who those people are and say, you know what, avoid them. Hey, y'all aren't going to have any part of this church if you're going to bring that type of teaching in here. If you're going to go around if there's somebody in the church telling everybody, you know, we need to start sprinkling the babies to make sure they're going to heaven. I'm sorry, we're not going to do that. We fought. I know. I know you're thinking. I know that type of philosophy. Your forefathers killed my forefathers. And let me tell you something. You can either get right or you can get out. And that. Oh, that's 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 mean. Well, you know what? If you were killed for that, or you your family were killed for that type of thing, you wouldn't like it either. You you would hate it too. You know. So we need to mark them. We need to point out who they are. We do not allow their ways in our churches one bit. First Corinthians five nine. I wrote unto you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with the idolaters. For then must ye needs go out of the world? But now I have written unto you that not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, covetous, or an adulterer, a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner with such a one, no, not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. As a church, we've got to keep certain ideas, certain sins, certain philosophies. We've got to keep them out of this church, we do not allow it in here. We don't go out and judge them. We don't go out and kill anybody. We don't go execute people. We don't do that type of thing. God will deal with those that are without. But let me tell you, in here, we're going to remember who our enemies are. We're going to, rem- and when they, if somebody comes in and tries to bring these false ideas in, ideas that people have fought and died for, or to keep out, and you know, to stay right on we are not going to have anything to do with that. We should always love and care for the individual, but we should always reject, separate ourselves, and even hate the wicked systems that are destroying people. We, need, we ought to hate it. There are many of these places, these religions, are leading people on a path to hell. And I hate the false religions of this world because I love the people that they're destroying. See this is not a hateful message that I'm preaching. If you care about real people, if you care about real individuals, you will hate the systems and the ideas that are destroying them. You will, you know, when you if you care about individuals, when you hear about a Muslim man blowing himself up in a crowd of innocent people, you will have compassion on that man to think that that man gave his life in vain. He died and he went to hell because he Listen to a lie. And it will cause you to hate that lie. It will cause you to hate those who are spreading those lies. And if you care about people, if you don't care about people, well then yeah, you can just go hug hug all those groups and hey, yeah you you keep on promoting your religion of hate. You go ahead and keep on promoting this philosophy that's getting thousands of people killed. You go ahead and keep on doing that. If If I hated people, that's what I would do. If I hated the immoral, if I hated the homosexuality, or, or if I hated homosexual individuals, things like that, I would encourage them to continue on with their lifestyle. That way they could die of the diseases and the STDs and the suicide because, you know, of their depression and things they go into. I would encourage them to continue on their path that they're on if I hated them. But when you love them, you're going to tell them the truth you're going to take a stand against that type of thing. That's what real love is. And as Christians today, we need to remember we don't kill the enemy. Okay, We try to convert the enemy. But sadly, because Baptists have gotten so soft, not only are they not converting the enemy, but they're getting converted to the wrong side in many cases. And we can't let that happen. Too many people have stood, who they've fought, they've died, and as a as a church and as a nation we the best way that we can remember those who have given their all given their lives for us we need to remember who and what they were fighting against and never forget what they've done never let it go out of our minds rehearse it in our ears and any time that type of thinking that type of talk rises up we ought to shut it down and say i'm going to have no part in that, Because I do. I love those. And I respect those who died for me. And I don't want it to be in vain. I would be doing them a huge disservice. I, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves as Americans when we compromise and when we give in with enemies that our forefathers died fighting against. And so I hope you will do that on this Memorial Day. That you will, you will remember those who fought and died and remember our enemies. Remember who they were fighting against. And let's never, never forget them. So with that, let's all stand together.